When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another you're not in a coffin Growing up or whatever you call it Sometimes you get what you got But it's not what you wanted at all This is not another Christmas song It is three past nine here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Coming up on the show this morning, uh, we're going to talk shortly to Emiliano Tade. He is the striker for Auckland City FC. They are the current National League champions. Uh, just won that. Uh, he's uh, originally from Argentina. So we're going to get his take on the World Cup final, which is four o'clock on uh, Monday morning. Argentina taking on France. We'll talk Messi. We'll talk Argentina. Argentina will talk the World Cup with Emiliano Tade. We'll do that shortly and get a an Argentinian perspective on just how good Lionel Messi has been for Argentina. We'll also talk Greyhound racing as well. We've got a a charity run pick for you before 9.30. After 9.30, in studio, Justin Nelson. Uh, he is, of course, uh, famous for being across the NBL and restructuring the sales NBL. Now he is at Sky as part of the commentary team, and he works behind the scenes in commercial as well. Some new innovations around Tauihi basketball Aotearoa, uh, and we'll also talk to him about the breakers and that COVID outbreak that they've had, which has meant their game against Perth was postponed. We'll do all of that. We'll have a multi for you before the end of the show as well. After 10 o'clock, Jeremy Coney is coming on, former Black Cap great and cricket commentator. We'll talk about the test squad named to play Pakistan. Kane Williams is stepping down. Tim Southey getting the gig, which I think surprised a lot of people. We've got a panel today too. Sam Ackerman, Lavina Good. We'll cover off that Black Caps news. Uh, Black Ferns, we'll talk that. We'll talk FIFA World Cup. We'll talk Hellbergs as well. We'll have a Pacing for Purpose update for you too. A Love Racing update with Louis Herman White. It's all on then. Uh, interesting, after 11, something different for you to get into. Zwift. Zwift is a... It's basically an eSports with a stationary bike. Uh, Ex-Aussie pro cyclist Wes Salzberger is going to join us and talk to us about the technology driving Zwift and how it works. We'll catch up with Greyhound trainer Monique McPhee as well. We have, of course, another stunt for you and another $50 TAB bonus, but you could win. Plus, Greg O'Connor is going to join us before midday. So it's a packed old show. We've got a heap on, and joining us now... Uh, to talk about the World Cup and about uh, this bloke called Leo Messi that uh, has been tearing things up is, I guess you could argue, in a way, Auckland City FC's own Lionel Messi. Uh, Emiliano Tade. G'day, Emmy. How are you? No, no. But you can't start like that. You can't start comparing me to, to that person. All right, mate. Well, we, you How know. <laughs> you've you've just won another title with Auckland City, of course. You, you you've driven a lot of what that club's done over the over the years. But you're right. I mean, Messi's a, a whole nother level. I mean, you're about the same age as Messi, um, and he came to prominence what at 17 at Barcelona, 18. I mean, you would have followed his career. Just just how good is Lionel Messi when it comes to that conversation about the goat? 
I mean, to me, he's he's uh, he's exceeded any sort of expectations in, in, in football. He's exceeded everything and excel at everything he did in football uh, in many ways. Um, I don't understand sometimes how much he's done. I, I try to I try to go back in the past, uh, you know, and see what he's achieved and what he's done and. It's, it's it's hard to understand, you know. Um, in, in football, it's pretty easy to to be a very good in one season or two, but to be that consistent and to maintain that level for many many years um, is probably a little bit out of this world. Oh, it's a hundred percent out of this world. I mean, his numbers are just frightening. I mean, I, that I, I remember. The 2011-12 season, where he scored 50 goals just in La Liga, not even counting Champions League or, or or anything else. And then the next year, he backed it up with 46. You know, I think it was like 133 goals in two seasons. Uh, those numbers are just staggering, and it wasn't like it was just those two seasons. Even though those back-to-back numbers were were amazing. Yeah, that's crazy, and and you know, and and, and the amount of titles, and and not only just the numbers and stats. Um, then you go to the details of like little moments, like short moments uh, during during games. I mean, it's phenomenal. Um, the things that he's done, and the, you know those little plays that we see, or those free kicks, or stuff that we go, okay, that is more than just stats. It goes a little bit beyond. I think one of the things that maybe people watching football that haven't played to any level or, or, or whatever don't maybe necessarily understand is there are times when you see Messi walking around the park and he's walking and he's looking and he's walking and he's looking and, and you know, that might be guess misconstrued sometimes is that he's not working hard but he's always working, isn't he, between the years because he just reads the game so well. He, he seems to be two or three steps ahead of everyone else. Yes. Yes, uh, I fully agree with that. Um, there, there has been so many explanations in the past from like different coaches, and the one that I has a stick in my mind is Pep Guardiola. Um, he he said he's he's someone who usually starts the pressure when when the other team or the opponents got the ball like in the back, and and he waits and scans the whole field constantly. Um, and there has been some videos about when the ball is in the completely on the other side of, of the pitch and he's still scanning what's happening around him. And then, you know, as soon as the ball comes to him or comes to his feet, um, then what happens next is some it's something that he is the only one that knows what will happen. I mean, Pep Guardiola explained that pretty well and 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 that's because there's some genius. He's got that genius in him that we will probably never understand. One of the other things I think uh, about Lionel Messi is, you know, he, he's not a big man, right? He's a small man. Uh, he's slightly built. Uh, but he, he is so strong mentally because there are so many guys that have come out of Argentina uh, who have been fantastic players, fantastic number 10s, uh, and as soon as they get dubbed the next Maradona, um, it all tends to fall apart because of the, the expectation and the mental pressure. But it's something that Lionel Messi seems to have always been able to cope with. Yes. Um, I mean... 
Poof. That um, that has it has backfired on him in the past. Um, I, I think, especially with the national team, or probably that's it, it comes down to us in Argentina as a society, the amount of pressure that we put in place, uh, not only the national team but also in like a club wise. And when it came to him being compared constantly and uh, with Maradona and and him always having to, um, you know, close some 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 mouth as uh, it has been, it has been pretty tiring for him as well. But it's got to the point where uh, you, you you can see it doesn't affect him. Um, and then and then things changed or shifted in the past, probably in the national team where he's been surrounded by very good people that they only want. The only thing that they want is is the national team to succeed, and that has, you know, had an impact on him uh, very positively. Uh, you're you're probably too young to remember it, uh, watching it live, but maybe it's something that you've revisited. Uh, I don't know the the 1986 World Cup when it was very much Maradona and Kanija and then a team of workers. It feels like there are some parallels with this team. You know, Messi um, and um, uh, the new, I can't remember the new striker Julian Alvarez, um, and then a team of workers. It kind of feels there are some parallels here between the '86 team and this team. Um, yes, I know. Yes, I know. Yes, um, I think we, uh, I think we tend to um, go back and find what, like, what are the similarities. Um, and and in Argentina, that's what we do actually a lot, um, but. Uh, I think this team is a little bit different. Uh, in the past, you had all these, like, probably you had all those great, those two big players like Maradona and Canigia, um, and then a team of workers, and they probably just only play at a national level in Argentina. But the, in this case, most of the Argentinian players are Europeans, if not all of them. Um, they all play in, you know, Champions League and big clubs and and in the best leagues in the world, and so they do. We do have to give them a, a lot of credit for that. And you know, then you have obviously a few or a couple of players that excel there. And in this case, um, probably Messi is the only one. And then the rest are having like not only a very good World Cup, but also a very good career at a club level. Yeah, well, I suppose, yeah, there, I mean, there's more depth on the bench in this team, it feels like. I mean, given that Paolo Dybala, we only just saw him get off the bench for the first time, I think, in the tournament in the last 10 minutes uh, of that game against Croatia. So, yeah, maybe there is a bit more depth there. What about this World Cup, uh, Emmy? When Coming into it, how confident were you as an Argentinian fan that Argentina would be in the final? Um, I think from the get-go, before the World Cup starts, you you do think and hope and believe that Argentina is going to be in, in the final. And and that's just because as it's Argentina and also because you have the best player in the world. So from the get-go, you already know or feel or you sense that or something in the air that you that you will make it um, just because you have those things. Um, and then when you... When you realise what has been happening in the last three years, the qualifications uh, towards the World Cup and how the team was doing, 
and the amount of the amount of obstacles the the team has overcame in the last three years with a coach with a unexperienced coach at the beginning, a lot of criticism and how the team stays strong. There's a lot of details um, in the background that sometimes, you know, worldwide people don't know. And, you know, when I look back for the last three years, the hope is probably, um, I don't know, one of the biggest that I've seen uh, in the last, I don't know, five or six World Cups. Um, this one felt special from from a lot of points and from a lot of views and 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 that's what made probably this team as well uh, felt comfortable to come and play this tournament. Also, winning the last um, Copa America in and in Brazil in the Maracanã. You know, there's a lot of details that you go. Oof, we have something very special here, not just the best player and not just the fact that we are Argentinians. Yeah, there's, it feels like this uh, this team has, you know, I talked about it being a team of workers, but some of those workers have really put their hand up. Uh, they're going to get noticed. Um, I think about guys like Marcus Acuna uh, and also uh, Enzo um, Fernandez in the midfield. For you, who is the player maybe that came into this tournament that not everybody in the world knew but now will know? Um, they had most of the players have been um, well known by this time, and um, I'll, I'll say there's three players that made that uh, that statement, and players that weren't that well known or people didn't know that much, and they were like Julian Alvarez will be one mm. um, for sure. I think these three players are having like an amazing World Cup, and. They didn't play at the beginning of. They didn't play the first game, and they came on um, as a eleven starter from the second game, and they changed the image of the team. Julian Alvarez for now, uh, Enzo Fernandez in the midfield, and Calister. I think these mm. three players have changed the image of the team, but also they weren't that well known. They, in the case of Julian Alvarez and Enzo Fernandez, they just started. They just made their move to Europe only what, four or five months ago in the last transfer window. And that's incredible to see their performance at that age in a World Cup stage. I mean, that is... That is, that is quite significant. Yeah, very significant. I, Colin Cook, who you'll know very, very well uh, from Auckland City, um, have you have yes. you have you got him an Argentina jersey with McAllister on the back yet? Uh, the only Scotsman to ever make a World Cup final. He's uh, also Gordon as well, <laughs> Gordon Watson. Um, these two people that I that I'm very I'm very fond of, uh, and and I have this. Um, special love for these two people for Colin and, and Gordon and they have messaged me already about Argentina and I think they love Argentina and Maradona and Messi uh, maybe because they're Scottish you know yeah you know what <laughs> exactly <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah they they love Argentina and and, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be cheering for uh, for the national team and, and in the final if not they know we're not friends anymore <laughs> anyway. Indeed, well said, Emmy. Yeah. Um, now we've, you've got the French on the other side of things. I, I sat down, uh, watched the game uh, between uh, France and uh, Morocco, 
with uh, Chris Milicic and I and I watched uh, Argentina Croatia with Jacob Spoonley and I watched both those semi-finals and watching those two games back to back I can't help but think um, Argentina are the favourites going into this final just because of the energy they play with uh, whereas France seemed to take their foot off the gas a lot they tended to play slow but Argentina just work 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 and I, it just feels like they are more driven uh, at the moment and based off those two semi-finals I think Argentina have to be the favourites what do you think? Uh, on papers and and for the style of football that both teams have been showing in the in this World Cup, uh, yes, I I agree with you, um, and I don't think France has uh, has shown the the whole potential, which is also it could be a threat or it could be scary. Um, but then at the end of the day, this is a final, and in finals, it doesn't matter what you didn't pass. Uh, finals uh, are completely different sort of little tournament. Uh, it's just a once-off. You never know how people react, how people are going to play, how people are going to cope with the amount of pressure or or, or, or the surroundings, the environment, um, history, future, whatever. Um, that goes a little bit beyond, but, you know, uh, and this is for all my friends, and I, I can't say the word, but I think France is going to be the winner and the champion, and and if I say that, um, just to explain you why, it's because in Argentina we have a lot of these like good luck charm and and you know all these things that you go okay. If I say the word that what Argentina is gonna do, it won't like it won't happen. Mm-hmm. Don't so want to put the hicks on. The opposite. Yeah, exactly. So I think France is the champion already. So I, I want to congratulate them for winning the World Cup. <laughs> well done, reverse psychology. I like it, uh, Emmy. Hey, if 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 um, uh, that doesn't happen, Messi. If Messi lifts the World Cup, uh, Maradona did it in '86. Mario Kempes did it in '80 in '78. Uh, where do you think in the echelon of the all-time greats, uh, Lionel Messi will sit? I will completely separate per century. Um, uh, these two, these two players. Uh, are not there to be compared from my from from my side from my point of view. These two players are not there to be compared at any level. Um, I think they they shouldn't be um, in a, a discussion of who is better and who is worse. Um, and I'll, I'll put them both at, at the exact level, uh, regardless of what happened on Sunday. But anyway, Messi's not going to wait to leave the World Cup, you know. Um, Loris, the French, the France goalkeeper, is going to is going to hold the cup. So, but yeah, on on, on that side, I mean, on the other now, um, I'm I, I can't compare these two play these two people. I cannot compare them. All right, okay. We don't we don't compare the the, the two greats, uh, uh, Emiliano Tade. Before we let you go, uh, producer Logan has one question uh, that he wanted me to ask you. Uh, where is the best Argentinian barbecue in Auckland? A buy place. Uh, <laughs> but what time do you want but, us there? Uh, but I, I I won't be in New Zealand towards the final. Uh, and but the best one. Uh, it will be at uh, Cecil in Chorizo in Pontonby. Beautiful, beautiful. Good stuff, Emmy. Beautiful. Thanks very much for your Go time. On, Tra- Go travel on, safe, on, my friend. Go well, eh?
Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for the chat. Cheers, and no, it's Cheers. great to chat to you. Emiliano Tade there with us from Auckland City FC, Argentinian footballer, been residing in New Zealand for some time now, and uh, another, another National League title to his uh, credit again this season. It is 9.23 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Not sure what happened there, but it's 28 past nine here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Now uh, we have uh, our Greyhound Racing New Zealand charity run. Uh, this week's Greyhound pick to raise funds for Women's Refuge. Uh, racing at Palmy today, race 12, the last race on the card uh, at 7.37. We're going for number seven, Big Time Masked. In strife, last start away but performs super here and runs time. Looks a huge show. Uh, paying, it was paying $1.85 at the tab. Let's just have a quick scan. Uh, yet yeah, still $1.85 and $1.10. Three wins in the last five starts. Trained by Lisa Cole. That is race 12, number 7, Big Time Mask. That is our Greyhound Race in New Zealand charity run pick. A couple of texts have come through on 8833, the Temper Bedpost text machine. And you can... Uh, got, what have we got? Our morning, Rick Dog. Any news on our Ben Rob went in the Darts World Champs this morning. Cheers, Chaz. He lost, unfortunately, to Mickey Mansell. Uh, he, it was one league apiece but, uh, when, I, when I came to the studio, but then I saw uh, him walk off looking a bit despondent. Uh, Mickey Mansell celebrating, so Mickey Mansell one. Um, Dermot has also texted through thoughts on Benzema playing the final. Um, yeah, it's interesting. The, what happened was uh, Karim Benzema from Real Madrid was originally selected in the French squad, but he got a thigh injury before the tournament, so he didn't travel, but they didn't replace him. Uh, and so that means that he can come in at any time. So he has been rehabbing at Real Madrid. He played some time in a friendly match during the week, uh, and he has been cleared to return to the French squad. I don't know how fit he is or how much time you'll get or how disruptive this might be. I would imagine he's probably a, an option off the bench if they're chasing the game. Don't think he'll start, but yeah, I think there's every chance that uh, we see Karim Benzema in that World Cup final. Still to come this hour here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. We've got a multi for you. And up next, after the latest in news and sport, Justin Nelson's going to join us in the studio to talk basketball. Twenty-eight away from ten here on SENZ. This is mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brant, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Joining me in studio right now is Justin Nelson from Sky Sport. G'day, Justin. How are you? Hey, I'm really well. Great to see you. Been a while. It has, mate. We're you know doing the uh, doing hoops in here uh, yeah. over over the uh, sales NBL season. It was great fun. You and Casey Frank. Yeah, looking forward to bringing that back in in 2023 as well. So stay tuned for that. You look a little bit younger, actually. Do I? Yeah, I'm, I'm Benjamin Buttoning it <laughs> going backwards, mate. Going Backwards. Nice, I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, you have uh, been burning the grey matter, mm. and you've come up with a, a new idea, a new initiative uh, that the league is going to launch in Tauihi um, basketball for the coming 2023 season. Yeah, a new innovation um, that was announced yesterday called Rapid League that will be attached to Tauihi Basketball Aotearoa, which is the, the, the new pro women's league here mm. in New Zealand, which started in 2022 
with uh, with a lot of first up success, and uh, obviously the plans beyond that is is to expand it into cells NBL, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Now, explain to us how this works and where the idea came from. Well, you know my mind. It, it works in very strange and weird and wonderful ways. I was sitting on a plane about four weeks ago. I spent a lot of time on, on planes and, um, yeah, this one just came to me and it, it was a really good gut feel straight away that, that this could work. And essentially the crux of the idea is there's a shortened game before the big game. It's a four-by-four-minute quarter game, but it only features the players who aren't announced in the starting five for the main game. So basketball is one of those really weird sports in that more than half of your team at any one time is sitting on the bench and actually not participating. And uh, the fans want to see all the players play. You know, there's a lot of stories and we've seen it over the years where teams will uh, rock up and there'll be players that just don't even step on the court. And that is at, you know, in the highest level competitions in the world. So that's where the idea came from. And then to legitimise it, you actually get a match point for winning a rapid league game and then you get match points for winning the, the, the you know the big league game or the Toihi game in this instance and you put it together on the ladder. So it is legitimate. You have to go out there and you have to strategize and you have to play to win, but it is a way of involving everyone in the game and I think the fans and viewers will like it. Yeah, I mean, it's great for the development of basketball too, right? Yeah. Because more players playing competitive minutes against each other can only lift the level of those players sitting on the bench. Well, Guy Malloy, the coach of the, uh, the Tall Ferns, instantly said this is, you know, one of the best innovations I've seen in the game in 30 years because he instantly jumped to the fact that his players now, his young rising talent looking to go into the national team is now going to be fast-tracked with their development through Rapid League. Um, and I've got no doubt the same would happen for the Tall Blacks going forward if it comes into the Cells NBL. And, and also, I, I would imagine, you know, I know that there are points on the line here for the, for the ladder overall, but this also gives an opportunity for young assistant coaches maybe to take the reins of, of a game like this so you can develop not just those players but also some of the young coaches. Well, that's where the teams have gone to straight away. They've started to think, right, we've got to recruit differently. Um, you're going to see a lot more athletic players come in because the demand on the players to get out there and play is going to be higher. You're going to see assistant coaches coming along and developing their own skills by coaching in the Rapid League, no doubt. Um, and, and I think the other thing, and, and this was a key to it, how do you develop something else within the game that doesn't add court costs, broadcast costs, travel costs, you know, all the extra things that you have to take into account to run a sustainable business in sport, and then this came up. So we're going to see 50% more basketball, women's basketball on TV in 2023, and then hopefully the men in 24, just by this, uh, you know, this new innovation. It makes more sense than running a reserve league. Yeah, 100%. Yep. And, uh, you know, lots of competitions around the world have, have done that in the past. And invariably, teams go broke because you've got the travel, you've got all the infrastructure costs that go with it. This is actually just taking everything you currently do and adding a little bit more at no cost. Um, so uh, has Rapid League got a little TM next to it? <laughs> I think my wife uh, would hope that it does. Uh, yeah, look, it's one of those things that, um, you know, I've inquired about. And uh, interestingly, within. You know, 24 hours or within 12 hours of this being announced here, I had contact from two Australian leagues yesterday. So it's the news has got out there and uh, it's one of those innovations that I, th- I think we're going to see come into play, not just here in New Zealand, but elsewhere around the world. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you know, I look at what the NBA do with the G League and the Summer League and things like that. It's like, surely this makes more sense for them as well. They want more product. They want to get people in stadiums earlier so they're selling more beer, more more nuts, more whatever it happens yeah. to be, you know. That makes sense on so many levels for for this sport particularly. 
I had three separate uh, venues just on that point contact me yesterday out of Australia saying, tell us more, because they immediately went to, here's a way we can get fans in earlier, mm. and here's a way that they can relax and socialise and enjoy and spend some money and be a part of this event even further. So you, you, you are absolutely on the right path here. Yeah. You should come and work for me. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'll tell you what, I'll get my people to talk to your people. There you go. And uh, and, and we'll work this out. Um Speaking of Guy Malloy, mm. um, he's obviously picked up a, another gig, which is great. Yeah. He, he, I thought he had a bit of a rough run at the Saints last season, so good to see him uh, back in charge of the Southland Sharks uh, in the men's game as well as running the Tall Ferns. Yeah, quality pickup by the Southland Sharks. Really smart to go in and, and get after Guy. He, he's a he's a world-class coach. You know that. I know that. We talked about it uh, on Hoop Heads during the season. and Look, he, he was the victim, unfortunately, of a situation at the Saints who had a really poor start to the season. But a a lot of it was their own doing because they brought in their players so late. So it was almost like he was on a hiding to nothing. Uh, and the Sharks have been really clever to uh, to jump in and uh, and scoop him up. Yeah, it's it's, it's a it's a great move um, by by them, mate. Uh, we should talk also um, about the Breakers. I mean, man. What a they've, week. They've, they've been doing it tough, haven't they? They've been <laughs> doing it so tough over the last few years. And this season I've been like, I looked at the, the recruitment I thought, it looks like Matt mm. Walsh has learned a few things. The ownership group learned a few things. They've gone back to what made the breakers really good. And, you know, they've, they've kind of scrapped this idea that they had that didn't work. Yeah. Um, the roster looked really strong. Things tracking really, really well. I mean, it still is. But uh, just another bump in the road that they didn't really need at this point in the season. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know personally how much Matt had to do with the recruiting this season. Of course, he's, he's back over in the States. And, you know, all credit to the to the team here, Lisa and Simon, and all the work that they've done. And Modi, of course, who's mm. just been a revelation stepping into the coach's chair. So and good. Look, I think for the Breakers, they've 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 done so well away from home. Their win loss record on the road is quite remarkable when you consider everything they have to take on. If they've got to clean up anything, it's their win loss record at home. The hiccup that's come about this week with uh, seven players down with COVID that's a bit of a worry because some people, as we all know, take a little bit longer to get over it, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they. You know, step up and shape up over the next few weeks. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know if you how, how much cricket you watch, but did you see the opening game of the BBL the other night? No, I didn't. But you're about to tell me about it. Yeah, well, two players, including Marcus Stoinis. Oh, from, I heard from, about this. Yes, the Melbourne Stars had COVID. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't see how you can do that with any good conscience. Mm. I mean, I, I look at things in the in, in other sporting realms. You know, uh, I mean, we're seeing it. I know it's different, but we're seeing it with CTE in American football and rugby, yeah. right? You know those things. I mean, we've seen the effects of long COVID that I've talked about. So, getting people to actually compete while they're sick and saying they're allowed to do it, not only are you putting their teammates and opposition at risk. I think I think there's a massive health and safety risk. Yep. I know they tried to separate them and isolate them, and I was like, but you're not going to be able to completely. No, you can't do that. And, and look, you bring there's a lot of other factors come into it. What's what you know? What's the complicity around you know that going on to other people being spread to other people yeah, it's not just players in the own team it's it's players in the opposition it's umpires it's officials it's everybody Physios. everything else so yeah. yeah look I did read that and uh, you know my ears pricked up as as being something that personally I wouldn't like to see that become the norm no. in sport um, and I wonder whether they've got a case to answer I wonder whether you know Cricket Australia and the powers that be there are asking some questions. Well, yeah, I mean, Cricket Australia are, are, are famous for being a bit like the rugby 
uh, New Zealand here is that they only answer to themselves and no one else, don't they? They've got that. They've got that reputation. So, so we'll see. But I mean, like, and, and I know this is worst case scenario. Mm. But you know, from a like, if you were running the legal team at Cricket Australia, you got to think. Say a physio gets it. Yep. And then they have the wor- they worst have case scenario. Worst case scenario, yep. and they die as a result yep. of getting it. I mean, surely they're going to be open to legal action from the family of that person, right? Well, it's 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 one of those situations where no doubt uh, a lot deeper investigation is needed because, mm. as as you say, you know, we're not dealing with something here that's unknown. We know the the impact and effect it can have. We've seen that play out over the last few years, right? So, it's it's very very dangerous territory, especially to go into it knowing exactly what you were doing. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Hey, let's let's talk some more more hoops though, uh, and. And a little bit of NBA. NBA. Yeah, yeah, a little, bit, little bit of NBA. <laughs> uh, not just because my Celtics are doing so well, but they are. Um, one of the things I, I was interested in was Steph Curry's. He's got this uh, this shoulder injury MRI. I mean, it looked pretty flagrant. The foul that was mm. on him didn't get called. I don't understand. I mean, he talked about it post saying, "Look, the player that did it owned up to it." Yeah. How's the referee not seeing this? I mean, um, there has been, I think, a bit of a um, a microscope on the officials in the NBA this season because a few other things I was watching. Uh, was it this game? It was another game. Uh, you know, in the ten, the ten second count for the free throws, yeah. and they were calling guys after Giannis. six. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. just like, well, you know, you got to be consistent, and there doesn't seem to be any consistency from the referees. Look, I've been banging this drum for a while that I, I think, and it happens in a lot of sports. To be honest, we we. We like to hang on to a lot of the historical nature of sports rules and the way we officiate, and that's the way we've always done it. And again, you know, you know how how I like to think around innovation. But games and basketball is a great example, and the NBA is a perfect example. It's so much quicker. It's so much more athletic. There's so much more contact and open to interpretation these days than even five years ago, let alone 20, 30, 40 years ago. And the officials are making more and more mistakes than ever before. But I actually put a lot of it down to the fact that it is such a harder game to officiate now compared to where it was in the past. And a lot of it's playing out right now, and it's becoming frustrating. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't have a problem with referees saying, you've got six seconds to take a free throw. I think that's plenty of time. Yep. But it needs to be in the laws. You can't have a law that says you've got 10 and then penalise people after six. Yeah, people count uh, differently at different speeds, don't they? So (laughs) no doubt about it. And look, you know, does the end result become, dare I say it, that every time the ball goes into the hands of the player at the foul line, or as we call it, obviously, here in the cells in the other zine line, um, you know, is there a shot clock? Is there a countdown? That's the next step that we're going to start to see come into these games. Uh, as as games evolve, we find new and different ways to help officiating and support officiating. I wouldn't be surprised if we have a countdown clock on free throw shooting. Yeah, actually, you're not wrong. That's probably the next uh, yep. step. It's another Justin Nelson idea. <laughs> Trademark that as well. I hope, uh, I hope you're getting paid for all this stuff, mate. What's your, what's your plans for Christmas? You've had a busy old year. Yeah, not a lot. Um, you know, obviously, I'd like to get back to Australia and see see family, but that won't happen in the short term. Uh, there's a lot of planning ahead at, at Sky. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not just involved in basketball. I'm involved across a number of sports. And uh, 2023 is going to be a huge year for sport here in uh, Aotearoa. I, I can't wait for it. There's some massive events coming. Plus, of course, our domestic f- events, you know, Super Rugby, ANZ Premiership, Cells NBL, um, Taihi, plus others. 
Uh, and I just cannot wait for that World Cup in 2023. It's going to be massive. Yeah, it's going to be huge, mate. All right, good stuff. Well, enjoy your Christmas. Enjoy your break. Yeah. Get your feet up for a little bit of time. Make sure you get to the copyright office. And uh, we'll talk to you again in uh, 2023, eh? You do owe me 10 bucks uh, right at the start of this. I said you're looking younger. <laughs> 10, I thought it was 20. <laughs> good <laughs> Justin on you. Nelson, see, go well, mate. Thank you very much. It is a quarter to 10 here at SENZ. You succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. It is 10 away from 10 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere supplier. Now, uh, Logan, we have a TAB multi, three-legger. It's a team effort today. Who's going first? Oh, I'll go first because uh, mine is the first thing to happen. I'm going Rangers v Maple Leafs in the NHL. Mitch Marner, probably one of my favourite players in, in the league, uh, he's on a 23-game point streak, so I'm picking that he is going to extend that to be an anytime goal scorer. Mitch Marner, $2.87. When you say uh, point streak, does that include assists and, and Unfortunately goals? not. I really wish this was something that the TAB took bets on because he does primarily score assists, not goals, but he has, he has been scoring a few goals uh, as well during this clip, so hopefully we get a goal in there. Yeah, hopefully 287, you said? Yeah. All right, we'll chuck that in. Uh, then who's next? Is it me or Brian? It's me? Okay. I am going uh, 4 o'clock on Sunday morning is the third versus fourth playoff at the World Cup, so it is between Croatia and Morocco. Traditionally, what happens in these games is that the teams take the foot off the off the off the break and uh, they, they they let go because there is they're no longer trying to get to a World Cup final win a World Cup right third fourth doesn't mean as much so they tend to be a bit more attacking they also tend to give squad players a bit of a game mm. uh, Morocco I'm going to be missing half of their defence because of, because of injuries uh, so I uh, have gone Croatia Morocco over two and a half goals. At a dollar eighty three, I was tempted by over three and a half, but I think we'll just pull it back to over two and a half at a dollar eighty three. Yeah, I think you're you're being the sensible one here. You're anchoring it quite nicely here because uh, I'll throw in Brian's one. He's going USC fight night. Uh, Cannonier versus Strickland. He's picking Cannonier to win in round two. This pays. Yeah. This isn't double. This is double digits. This is twelve dollars. Is this is this just wins or is it by win, knockout win, or no? Just to win, to win in round two, to win in round two, and it's paying twelve dollars. Yeah, put that all together. It's a <laughs> it's a fair. This might be the biggest Smithies multi in the history of Smithies multis. Sixty three dollars and two cents. Boom! Get on it. Sixty three dollars and two. So Jared Cannonier to win in the second round against. Sean Strickland, Croatia, Morocco in the World Cup over two and a half goals, and Mitch Marner to score any time for the Maple Leaves at two eighty seven returns sixty three dollars and two cents. That will fill your beer fridge right through Christmas. Get amongst it and New Year's. Get amongst and it. Yes, as well. We'll be back after this here on SCNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. And are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. 
This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, it's a couple of minutes away from midday here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith, thanks to Brant, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Interesting, I uh, just had a an email as a subscriber of Spark Sport. I've had an email through from Spark uh, to say that they've announced a partnership deal with TVNZ that means from July the 1st, 2023, the majority of Spark Sport content will be moving to TVNZ. This is because late next year we'll be closing Spark Sport. Now, um, it means we know that cricket has gone to Spark Sport, definitely. So, um, Spark Sport are going to carry the cricket through to what mid 23 end of this current season, anyway. Ford Trophy, etc., Super Smash, Black Caps, uh, White Ferns, and then it will go to TVNZ. They have, however, said uh, that F1 is going to be free access on F1 TV Pro, and you can subscribe there from December 31st, which would suggest that no one at this stage is picking up Formula One. Um, so there you go. If you are an F1 uh, uh, fan, uh, you might be able to get it uh, straight uh, straight direct through F1 TV Pro. So we'll have to see how that develops. But interesting, they haven't mentioned Champions League. They haven't mentioned NBA, NFL. Uh, they had the FIH Hockey League as well. They had a whole bunch of stuff. I, th- I think if you follow NBA and NFL, you'll just go to their game passes respectively anyway if you don't already. I mean, I think most basketball or American football fans don't go to Spark Sport for that. Yeah, but... Does that mean TVNZ might have the a uh, few games? Possibly. Yeah, possibly. possibly. Um, coming up after the latest in news and sport, Jeremy Coney joins us, uh, former Black Caps great cricket commentator as well. We are going to talk that test squad to play against Pakistan and the captaincy issue as well. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is three past ten here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brand, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Coming up, we have a panel with Lavina Good and Sam Ackerman. We will discuss the Helberg Awards talk, Black Ferns, the FIFA World Cup and Black Caps as well. Plus, there's a Harness Racing New Zealand Pacing for Purpose and a Love Racing update all to come before 11 o'clock. But joining us right now is uh, the man known as the Mantis, one of the Black Caps greats, or was it the Young Guns? Uh, and commentator extraordinaire as well, Jeremy Coney, how are you, sir? G'day. Not bad, thank you. That's good, mate. That's good. Yesterday we got the news. We have a new test captain. Uh, we'd had a whisper that Kane was going to step down. I fully expected Tom Latham uh, to get the nod, given he had done the job when Kane's been injured in the past. Uh, what was your expectation? Well, I, I I got a bit of a surprise, too, about that. Um, I, I guess... As far as Williamson is concerned, maybe the fact that he's been captain since about 2016 and he's been captain of all formats and he does go to the IPL and he was captaining there too, wasn't he? Um, but just maybe it's it's just got a bit much for him. I don't know whether it's all the planning and they have to do nowadays and strategies and teams and selection and media commitments and sponsorships and, you know, maybe it's just got... He wants a break from it, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe he thinks uh, Ross Taylor, you know, handled that very effectively and just concentrated on his batting. Um, and he, he just wants a break. Yeah, I, as far as the Latham thing and the Saudi thing goes, I don't... I, I, I would have thought Latham, what they were preparing him in terms of succession. I would say that Saudi's... Oh, he's obviously a very senior player and he's played under four captains probably since Vittori uh, himself 
as a bowler, it's an interesting one. Um, it can be a little bit tricky at times to get that balance right between the number of overs you bowl and making game decisions as well. Sometimes when you're fatigued, because you've just bowled your overs and so on, who's going to, where are the field positions and so on. Um, but he's played a lot of matches. He's had 80, nearly 90 tests, I would say, and um, his self-knowledge should be you know, quite well developed in, in those terms. He will, I think, perhaps be a bit more aggressive than Kane has been around making decisions in games. He's been vice-captain for the 2019 World Cup. Um, so, yeah, uh, but I was a little bit surprised that Latham you know, wasn't, wasn't named. Um, I don't know what's happened there. It won't be for very long, I wouldn't have thought. It's only been a transitional phase because mm. he's getting to the stage he's 34 now. So uh, I can't see it more than a year or so, can you? No, I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have thought so. Also, Jeremy, you'll have better understanding of this than I will. I mean, we've had some great fast bowlers in, in, in our time, you know, the likes of Shane Bond and Sir Richard Hadley and others, and none of them got the captaincy. In fact, I don't think we've had an official captain who's been a fast bowler since back in the 50s um, with Harry Cave. Why not bowlers? Well, he wasn't far. Harry Harry wasn't a quick bowler. <laughs> he was more <laughs> of a kind of just uh, just above medium. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. A bowler is captain, yeah. That, that'd be probably right, unless we count the Tory, of course. Mm. But but he's again a spinner. But yeah, yeah. So I mean, you t- you mentioned a few things there around fatigue, particularly like with Saudi and that. Is that why you think bowlers generally don't don't get the captaincy? Because I mean, I would have thought that Paddles at some point would have been uh, you know a prime option for captain. Yeah, um, I I think it is that the demands of bowling on the field. Um, and I mean in Pakistan it is kind of winter there so it won't be quite as hot as at other times for the tour but you know you are putting in quite a lot of effort Um, and just just trying to make those decisions I think and also about the fact that how long do I keep myself on and that issue of um, am I going to underbold? Have I underbold myself? Mm. What what's the right number of overs? Saudi, I think, has a personality and an instinct for wanting to be in the action. I think that's an impression I've gained over the years watching him. He likes to put himself into the centre of action um, and respond that way to the game. Um, and and if anything, he. He might have a tendency to overbowl himself to make sure I do the hard work, if you like, at the hard times. So those are tendencies that bowlers can have, whereas batsmen can sit, you know, can stand back from the game a bit more because they're not engaged in that way other than fielding. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting point. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you before we get on to the test squad, Jeremy, was has Kane Williamson retired or uh, from the, the right form of the game? Well, I mean, he hasn't retired from test, but he's, re- he's re- uh, relinquished the captaincy. Because for me, the test cricket plays right into his wheelhouse. If he was going to give anything away, I would have thought it was the T20s because that doesn't really seem to be his strength. I agree with you. Uh, I, I would have said of all the formats, Test cricket probably was his, you know, aligning his skills and personality. It fits with the longer format. Even as a captain where you can, you've got a little bit more time to mull things over to say, now this is what I'm going to do. 
um, and that you're working not way ahead of time, but perhaps half an hour. Uh, ahead of time so that you're thinking what's going to happen who's going to bowl up at that end where's the breeze coming from how we're going to attack this way and so on um you always want to be a little bit ahead of time you don't want to be you know someone slogs a bowler and then you take him off next over do you know what i mean mm. you you don't want to be reacting to what's going on from the opposition you want to be ahead of the game um uh, i would have thought his you know, he's a, he's a good ODI player as well. And so I would have put those two as his, his favourite and favoured kind of uh, formats. Um, and, and, of course, as a, as a test cricketer, you, you want to play tests. Tests are the, are the challenge. Uh, and you hear quite often players say, don't they, it's the pinnacle. Um, and I would have thought of all the formats, this would be the one that he would like to have kept. But nevertheless, he's, he's made the decision. I don't know why he's then going to captain the two white ball formats. Maybe that there are World Cups coming up and they don't want to disturb that in any way. Um, I can't, I'm, but I'm speculating, to be honest. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, let, let's have a look at the the test squad that's been named for uh, Pakistan. It's Tim Southey, uh, Michael Bracewell, Tom Blundell is the wicketkeeper, Devin Conway, Matt Henry, Tom Latham, Daryl Mitchell, Henry Nichols, Ajaz Patel, Glenn Phillips, Ish Sodi, Blair Tickner, Neil Wagner, Kane Williamson, and Will Young. Of course, no Trent Bolt. He's unavailable for the tour. Kyle Jamison is still recovering from injury. So uh, that said, how do you think our bowling stocks look, Jeremy? Well, I think they're going to find it hard work, to be honest with you. You've got to, um, you know, I could play little games and, and sort of make it sound all right, but they're going to struggle, I think. Uh, it, it's interesting that we are getting a very good look at uh, what it takes to be competitive in Pakistan with the England series currently being played out. Uh, and I've watched those games very closely. Uh, and I, you would have to say that New Zealand are going to find it much harder to win over there. Um, we don't quite have the range of players that England can call upon, nor the style of the game. And I'm not saying we should ape the way England play. We, we, we don't do that, and neither should we. Um, but we don't, you know, England embrace... They attack the aspect of time. I mean, cricket is about the interplay of runs and wickets and time. Those are the three aspects of the game, the variables. And England attack the t aspect of time. They, you do it through high-voltage batting. They get a high run rate per over. In Royal Pindi, 657 at six and a half runs and over in a test match. You, that's unheard of. In the second innings, they got 260-odd at 7.3 runs and over. Now, we are not going to do that. And because they can do that, they then earn themselves the right of plenty of time to bowl the opposition out. And, and it did take that time. I don't know whether you watched that, but they only just got there in Rolpindi. So we can't match those sort of run rates. Um, we will be lucky to get four runs and over. And I don't think we'll get that either. We will be more like threes. And so 
we it's, it takes a long time for us to get a, 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 a you know a stranglehold on the match. It's going to take us instead of a day, which is all it took England. They were over five hundred in a day. Um, it's going to that will take us two days nearly. And so you haven't got quite the time that you want to bowl people out. And I don't think, to be honest, the, the names that you read out there, which I think is a split of eight batsmen and seven bowlers. Um, I'm counting Blundell as, as a batsman. I mean, he batted at six playing against England at Lords and at Trent Bridge in the first two tests. Um, and so he is a batsman, and he did well and supported Mitchell, if you remember, over there a lot. Uh, and he's also got hundreds here in the Plunkett Shield already this season for Wellington. So he's a batsman. Um, and we are going over there for two tests. Now, to me, it doesn't make sense to pick eight batsmen. Uh, you can pick one extra one case of injury, and you'd have seven, but why eight? Uh, I don't quite understand that. Mm. You're playing two test matches, you select the team for the first side, even if one of the batsmen fails in that first test match at Karachi, you're going to give them the second test as well, aren't you? You'd have to. To try and put it right. You want to invest a bit of confidence in the guy and so on to give him another game. You're not going to whip him out like that, are you? And, and say, no, you're gone, you're history. So I, I, that's not the New Zealand way of doing things. We have stability. It's been those kinds of, you know, things that have held this team together. So I don't understand that. Um, he, and are you going to play Blundell at six? What are you doing? I'm asking you that question. Or are you going to bat him at the wicketkeeper at seven? Because that then reduces the number of bowlers. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking at what England did, and they had three spinners in that second test, right, if you include Joe Yeah, Root. but they have Root as a spinner, don't they? Yeah. And he's a batsman. So that makes me wonder whether or not they see Michael Bracewell as somebody that can do that job. I mean, I don't think he turns the ball enough in those conditions to, to make a difference. Personally, I wouldn't play him, but the fact that he's there makes me think they probably will, because he's taken, if you remember, Jeremy, when we went up and played India, uh, all the talk was about Ruch and Ravindra, investing in him as our seven, our, our spinning all rounder who whenever we went to the subcontinent they were saying he was going to be the guy but he seems to have disappeared off the scene yeah well he's a, he's an he's a he's a batsman who bowls and 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 you know bracewell is a, still a very he's only just starting his career uh in test cricket um he's more of a short format player at the moment but they felt that he had the, the potential to play in test matches, and he did play that test match at Headingley, uh, and he did play at Trent Bridge. Um, so, uh, look, I, I think, I mean, Sodi is the bolter in terms of, of bringing someone out of an area where he hasn't played much test cricket. Um, he averages, you know, nearly 50 with the ball in, t in test cricket, um, which, which is quite high. Uh, and he's played about sort of 15 or 16 tests and over quite a long time. So he, he was more of the, the bolter for me. I know he played when they went to Pakistan, they went to uh, uh, Abu Dhabi and Dubai in 2018. He played in that series, but that's the last 
series he's played. It looks as though, therefore, they've picked him. To me, in my mind, they're going to play him. Mm. Um, and you've got to realise Pakistan t- pitches are low, uh, low-bouncing pitches, and they don't turn what They don't break up. They're not like India, where you get t- pitches that actually start at a certain point and get worse and deteriorate throughout the five days, and in and Sri Lanka also. But you don't get them like that in Pakistan. In fact, the one they were playing at Multan, where we play our second test, where they played just recently, it got better as it got older. It was harder to get wickets in the fourth innings, and Pakistan scored the most runs in the fourth innings of the match to nearly win that game. So it's, it's not as if these are going to be ragging turners unless they t- Pakistan take the view that we're just New Zealand and we'll prepare just some turning pitches and we'll beat them. Mm, yeah. They might take that view. They might do. Um, they won't do that against England because England will smash them if that's the case. Um, so they're more cautious against England. Yeah. One last question for you, Jeremy, before we let you go, is that obviously England have Ben Stokes who can bat five uh, and, and they get a lot of overs out of. He can be even first-change bowler. Um, do you see... Daryl Mitchell hasn't been bowling a lot in the white ball. Do you see him being able to p- play that Stokes role for us? Well, he won't be as good as Stokes, will he, at mm. that, in terms of bowling? But Stokes is quite a dangerous swing bowler. And he, he, he'll also have a crack at the short ball barrage as well, so the bounces. Mitchell is going to be entirely different than that. He could be quite useful, though. I would, I would certainly bowl him. Uh, he would be a man. See, the bowl is the way that we've got it. We've got Southey, 128 Ks, about the same pace as Anderson for England. You've got Wagner, 35, uh, going to 36. Uh, he has lost his pace as well a wee bit, still useful maybe and do a job. But those two are about the same pace now. Uh, you've got Henry, who's about 135 k's to 138, somewhere around there. And Tickner, I don't know quite so well. I, I, the only time I've seen him, he doesn't really move the ball much at all. And reverse swing is the key in Pakistan. Mm. Reverse swing. So it's, we haven't got anyone with the pace of wood, you know, have you heard of Mark Wood, the guy yeah. who bowls quick for England? He, he's at sort of 145, and he, was, he got four wickets to, to win the game for England. We haven't got anybody like that. I don't know why we haven't worked with Ferguson so that he could bowl us maybe 15 overs a day. And, and then someone like Mitchell can bowl his extra five. Normally, you're, you're banking on 20 overs a day from a bowler, right? Yeah. And... Uh, so I think there's a role that Mitchell can play. He can bowl little skidders that just keep quite low and go into the pads. But then you need movement with it as well. And that's where the swing comes in or movement off the pitch if it gets a wee bit cracky and so on and deteriorates in that way. So I see him playing a bowling role certainly in, the, in this group. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, but I, I think we're, we're a bit the same samey in terms of speed and I think that either Bracewell is not I don't think there's room in the team for for three spinners I really don't Mm. Um, uh, so I don't think it's a a, a particularly well selected side 
so it's going to be very interesting watching the whole thing, and and luckily I'm going to be watching it. You are. You, <laughs> so you, that's good. You'll be doing more than watching it. You're calling it for the uh, SENZ commentary team from Boxing Day alongside Daniel McCarty, Garth Galloway, and Richard Petrie. Oh, I see. I'm looking forward to that. What a middle, That'll be good. What a middle That'll order that is. So, it is, yeah, it is, isn't it? Garth coming in from the southern end now, hair, no hair, <laughs> hairless Garth Galloway coming in. Uh, that is superb. Jeremy, thank you very much for your time, my friend. Have a great Christmas. Take care yourself. Thank you very much. Go well. Jeremy Coney there with us uh, talking the Black Caps. It is 10.21 on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. All right, it is uh, 10.27 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith, thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. And uh, today... Uh, Friday, we have gone for an all Tauranga panel. It is Lavina Good. How are you, Lavina? Damn, I love Sam Ackerman. I really, really do. But I've been lying to you for years about it being a beautiful day in Tauranga and it's pissing down with rain. <laughs> and I can't lie because Sam's also a bay boy. Yeah. I can't Sammy Ackerman but, with but, us. But, I'm a bay boy too, and I just gone, would have gone with you. And like we need to steer Ricardo, yeah, right? I mean, he's, he, last, a, like, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't know how to process the truth if he got it. <laughs> no, we could have had a plan. Next time. Next time. Next time. Hey, uh, there's something that's come through uh, this morning, which is interesting, and I think it, it changes the landscape of uh, televised sport in New Zealand, with Spark Sport announcing that they uh, come sort of mid-year, uh, pretty much shutting up shop. Uh, TVNZ have announced that they've picked up the cricket. We know F1 uh, is now going to be direct with the F1 website. Um, Sam, uh, start with you on this, mate. How did you take that news? And I mean, Sky must be laughing, right? Yeah, well, and and the, the the commentary coming out of of um, Sparks about saying how it's a difficult uh, landscape, and then the and the rights the, the rights to uh, go up go up and up, and it's really hard to afford. Sky's and then going, yeah, you know. No shit, Sherlock. Of course, it's a this is not. A, if it was an easy game, everyone would be in it, and and they've gone through plenty of uh, troughs along the way. But uh, it, it, it's a shame that the monopoly will um, will return because um, I don't know how much the likes of TVNZ and, and Discovery will end up bidding for um, sports in general. I think that the um, the events like the World Cups of of major note and the Olympics and Com Games they'll still be you know up for everyone trying to get their hands on and working out how there's a free to wear element with it but um, it was nice to see a, a bit of competition and Spark in their defence after a, a stumbly start to that first World Cup and the Rugby World Cup in 2019 did a really good job uh, with a lot of what they did and you'll know Ricardo that football fans were very impressed with what they did with uh, the Premier League to the point that Sky got hammered when it came back there saying well hang on Spark was offering a better service than you guys are as far as being able to watch from the start and Sky's you know, subsequently caught up but they uh, they helped move the, uh, the the landscape forward, provide a different style of uh, of commentary um, as well along the way. So I think it's been a uh, they've been been good to the landscape. It's uh, unfortunate. And there's about 50 people that work for Spark Sport who uh, won't be um, taken over or just transferred to, um, to TVNZ too. So it's a pretty 
pretty awful uh, way to head into Christmas, knowing that sometime next six months the gig you've got's not going to um, be there. But um, it, it's great for New Zealanders that cricket will be free to wear, uh, and uh, TVNZ um, just they can't, they just simply can't hide anything behind a paywall because there will be all kinds of uh, ruckus about the uh, state broadcaster making you pay to uh, pay to view. So uh, great for cricket, and I think that will lead to um, uh, a different style of. Um, of support for the black caps that so people will actually be, you know, rather than just talking about results, get a chance to watch more and people who wouldn't normally watch get into it. So there's, there's definitely some, uh, some positives come from that side of it, but I do feel for those affected by uh, at spark right now. Yeah, no, that's well said. Uh, Lavina, we obviously have seen TV three uh, this year, pick up the, uh, the rugby uh, world cup, the women's rugby world cup and have great success with that. They, they ticked off all sorts of metrics. They couldn't get to happen with the men's game anywhere. Um, while it's sad to see spark, you know, sort of bow out. Do you think that there will be more step up to the plate now? TV is such a funny place, isn't it? Five years ago, everyone was saying the way forward, the way forward is streaming. It's the way forward. And now everything is about to change again. But I think one thing we picked up out of the Rugby League World Cup, especially with the the women's coverage and also the Rugby World Cup as well on TV3, is the more that you can uh, televise and the more communities can watch, the more kids you'll see getting out there and playing the sport. And I think that's one thing that could be a real positive coming out of this. I really feel sorry for the staff. I, I agree with Sam. As soon as I got the email this morning from Spark Sport announcing it, I, I thought of lots of colleagues of mine that would be going through a really nervous stage as they head into Christmas. But free to air is the way forward. And if you spoke to half the people about the Rugby World Cup coverage with the Blackburns, most of them would have said, we watched the free to air coverage on television. Yeah. And because of that, my daughters are now playing rugby. So yeah, onwards and upwards, I think. And, yeah, it, it's such a strange place because five years ago we all thought in the industry that it was all going free to air and that's changing again now. So watch this space. The landscape is there. It's been set and it'll be great to have the cricket free to air. And Melody Robinson, who is uh, Wahini and is the TVNZ sports manager, will be rubbing her hands together and I don't blame her. Yeah, yeah fantastic call. Actually, I hadn't even thought about that. Nice, nice work, Lavina. This is the panel. We'll be back after the latest in news and sport. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. 26 away from 11, Lavina Good, Sam Ackerman with us on the panel. Uh, Black Ferns, uh, Lavina, yesterday Portia Woodman had voiced her support for Alan Bunting to take over the head coaching duties. Uh, I think there are a few options there. Uh, I, I know that uh, Wes was an option. I, I think there's a few people that thought maybe, uh, if, if for nothing else other than metrics, then, then uh, Whitney Hanson maybe as well. I mean, how do you see it going? I wasn't surprised. That, I mean, I've heard I've heard around the traps that um, Mr. Bunting would would put his uh, hat in the ring, which isn't surprising. I mean, it, it's a, a great opportunity now for any rugby coach across the country. I don't think I'm in a position, actually, Ricardo uh, or Sam, to come out and say who I think would be the very best um, coach for the women. But one thing I would like to say is that the women's game has changed so much over a couple of decades since they were first allowed to play in the World Cup. And uh, when Wayne Smith was first allocated that coaching role, I thought that was a mistake initially. I thought they've just got some old geezer that's about to retire to try and fix up an old mess until I interviewed him. And he told me how passionate and how wonderful these women were and how proud he was to be in charge of them. And then I chatted with the players and they said that he he was just a remarkable coach and and brought the best out in him. Um, 
I don't know who's the best person for the job, but I really do hope that a couple of wahine, including Whitney Hanson, decide to put their hat in the ring as well. And it is well considered by uh, New Zealand rugby because it's quite a role at the moment, just a few years before they get a chance to defend their title. And they are the darlings at the moment of rugby here in this country. So let's hope there's lots of applicants and the opportunity is there both for men and women to try and be the leader of this team that really is on the pinnacle of their rugby at the moment, world champions, yeah. Let's hope there's loads that decide to go for it. Yeah, what about, what about you, Sam? I mean, do you think that this is going to come internally from the people that worked under Wayne, or do you think they will look outside that? I would be shocked if, uh, given the circumstances of bringing um, Wayne Smith in for a year and knowing that there was, there was just this uh, hit for that, while they had the World Cup in mind and bringing things back on track, it... it there's been a lot of decisions by New Zealand rugby that have surprised that it shouldn't have uh, this year. But uh, the, the, surely when they're making these appointments, they were thinking this is the guy who's going to get us out of this mess and the people who will be part of taking it forward. It was never a secret that this is just going to be a, a short term with Wayne Smith. So I'd be shocked if uh, they weren't in the mix somewhere. Um, and obviously uh, the, the regard that uh, Whitney Henson has held in, uh, I think is really important. If this is not her time, um, it's, she also may not think that it's her time, but to, let's be clear, she may not be thinking she wants to take over the head coaching role just yet. Who knows? Um, but I certainly think if it's not Winnie Hanson, then somebody else, uh, another uh, one of the, the leading lights uh, of the women in uh, New Zealand rugby, should be being um, brought along in one of those advisory uh, uh, high coaching roles with, with the intention of taking over, just like we've seen successfully from Steve Hansen from uh, Sir Graham Henry. Um, I think a mould like that should be set up. So, yeah, but Alan Bunting's credentials are definitely um, ones that can put him very high in the uh, in the picking order, in my opinion. And I think that's uh, one of the big elements that's uh, been the turnaround for the Black Ferns was culture, coming from the Glenmore era to the Wayne Smith era. And culture, I think, will play a huge part part on that uh, and Alan Bunting's proven that with the uh, Blackfin Sevens uh, and with the Chiefs as well and Super Rugby Albuquerque so I'm, I, I, I'm a fan of his work uh, and his approach to it as well so uh, I certainly wouldn't be disappointed to see uh, his name um, top of the picking order but a lot to consider about going forward and then the selection needs to have um, a lot of steps to drag that forward. We've seen that in New Zealand Rugby League we've had coaches get picked and assistant coaches uh, go with them and then suddenly a coaching change comes but that momentum build for the rest never amounts to anything I'd hate that to be the case mm. uh, with the situation Yep, no, no, that's uh, that's fair, I, I, I tend to agree with you on the, on the bunting situation uh, you, you mentioned coaches, uh, well we should look at the Helberg nominations they came out uh, yesterday and coach of the year uh, is interesting um, in terms of who is up and um, where we're looking, I mean I think Wayne Smith is obviously going to get a lot of eyeballs considering what he did in just a year with that team, but also you know uh, Tommy Pyatt, the skiing, free skiing um, coach as well with our, our uh, Winter Olympic success uh, and Sean Thompson in there as well. Uh, Lavina, wh- what are you thinking about these nominations? What stood out for you? The snow sport stands out for me. Mm. I, I was fortunate enough to be in um, Beijing and witnessing um, our young athletes for the first time in 70 years m- make sure that they um, stood on the pedestal and um, receiving lots of accolades and you know, it's just such a sport which is contested internationally and we've never, never really been dominant on the world scene. So when it comes to Nico Porteous um, and also Zoe zadowski Sinnott, I, I reckon that I'd, I'd really like them to be considered for those sports people. 
of the year award and I wouldn't even mind if they did a clean a clean sweep when it comes to the Halberg Awards. It would be really good if someone received an accolade in this country out, outside of rugby. And um, I know Wayne Smith picked up the coach of the year at the recent rugby awards and so did Demand. And I just really feel as though the snow sports have an opportunity to receive true recognition and acknowledgement for what they achieved um, at an international level, not at a Commonwealth Games or a, or a World Championship level, to go off to the Winter Olympics and stand at the top of the podium. I say snow sports all the way for the Halbergs, mate. There you go. There's one for you. Snow sports all the way for the Halbergs. What do you think, Sam? I mean, it does look to me, particularly in the Sports Woman of the Year, hard to go past Zoe Sadowski, isn't it? Yeah, it's the, it, I've been a judge in the past, and, and the big thing that's uh, drilled home is, is achievement um, and, and top achievement in a pinnacle event. And uh, for uh, the snow sport team, it's the Winter Olympics. There is no higher pinnacle uh, for what they can achieve uh, than what that is. Now, you can argue the same thing for, obviously, the uh, the women's uh, rugby winning the World Cup. It's the highest possible point, too, so that's definitely going to come into consideration. But it should be uh, a comfortable one. Um, there's there's no way to miss out on the finalists. And for those unaware of how it works, the, the long list at the moment, basically, if your sporting organisation or somebody puts at your... Um, puts an athlete forward, they essentially make this long list. So, uh, you know, who's in it now? Um, you know, it's great to see some of these other names uh, getting um, recognised and get a chance to uh, be thrown out in, in conversation uh, along the way as well. So it's not just talking about the uh, the stars of this world. But look, you can you can bet that the Halberg judges are still going to put the likes of Dame Lisa Carrington to the final. Lydia Coe after her year um, absolutely should be a finalist and will be, to me, the, the only competition to um, Zoe Zdowski that I'd really consider, despite, and I don't mean any um, disrespect to, uh, to Rojo Dement on that, it's just I, I, I've never been a fan of, uh, unless somebody is just out and out the best player in the world in that sport to uh, heads and shoulders, then sure, but at a, at a team sport. But I'm, I agree um, that the, uh, the the winter athletes should be looked at for sportsman and sportswoman of the year. Just on coach as well, I actually reckon one of the best candidates isn't there. Uh, and I reckon that's Brendan McCullum. He qualifies as a New Zealander coaching at international level. And what he's achieved as a coach this year has been mind-blowingly good. Obviously, no one in New Zealand cricket was going to uh, nominate him, but uh, it can be nominated internally as well. As well. I, I would have thought that... Um, I'm not surprised he's not there, but I think he goes down as one of, if not the coach of the year for a New Zealander in international sport this year. That's a great call. That's a great call, Sam. Hadn't even considered that, but well, well spotted. That's why you get paid the big bucks on the panel, mate. Um, before I let you both go, oh, wait, wait, was paychecks? You guys are a few <laughs> few months behind. <laughs> Yeah, just, just, just a couple, just a couple. Um, I've got to ask uh, the FIFA World Cup final Monday morning, France, Argentina. Who have you got, Lavina? Uh, uh, for me, definitely Argentina. I'm a Messi fan without a doubt. Anyone at 35 years of age that can play like he's 25 years of age and almost step around, you know, any opposition that try and defend him, I've got a soft spot for them. I don't think. When was the last time they won it? 86 or something? 86 was the last time they won it, yep. Yeah, last time they won it. And, and the Frenchies are going for back-to-back, which doesn't happen too often either. But, yeah, I've been 
I've been cheering. I put money on Brazil at the start of the tournament and I didn't have a lot of coin to win on that because they were favourites. But ever since watching just about every game, I've got a soft spot for Messi and the Argentinians. So I really hope that they go all the way. And I've got a couple of Argentinian mates that um, come around and know how to party. All they do is eat meat and drink. So they're my favourite people on earth. And uh, I fancy celebrating with them. So I'm going for the argy-bargies for sure. All right. Sam's waiting for the invite for that one. Who have you got, Sam? (laughs) Yeah, I'll, I'll bring the croissants just to um, to round it out for you. Uh, no, no, I, I, I reckon um, that there's not a casual fan out there um, that unless they are French or has a particular reason to really dislike Argentina that wouldn't be going for um, Argentina on this because they are Lionel Messi is uh, not only you know a player of of a generation, if not the player of a generation of all time in the eyes of some, he's also managed to be generally a player that you, uh, that non-football fans don't look at and go, what a pillock. You know, like this, this, Cristiano Ronaldo has got a lot of people rolling eyes over the years, and it's been the same with a lot of footballers, but he's got a little bit of that Richie McCaw to him, if you know what I mean, that kind of universal respect. He doesn't, he doesn't jump around like a pork chop. He doesn't say or do things that really kind of throw him into this, um, into this prima donna category. So I'll be going for Argentina. My boy will uh, as well. He's, um, he's got his Argentina shirt already ready to go. So um, he's really conflicted, though, because his name's Bo, which is a French word. No. <laughs> So he's very. He, 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 as far as he's concerned, he can't lose. But Ricardo, I, I know that you'll be going for the French uh, just because they knocked out the English for you. Is that right? No, no, no. I want Argentina to win as well, mate. To be fair. So there you go. So there you go. And uh, just uh, well, finally, Chris has texted through. Please ask these two how pleased they are that Bay of Plenty won the Interprovincials in golf last weekend. That's all that matters. Well, that's we, all that matters in the Bay of Plenty, and that's why the sun has come out because of that victory. So it's sun shining in the Bay of Plenty now. So yeah, that's just, since we've been on the phone, it's just all the clouds parted. It's phenomenal, actually. No, but look, we, it's it's title town. I don't I don't know what I don't know what other people tell you, but the the, the champions of sport, uh, they come from down this way. All black captains, uh, the former Test captains now of the cricket team. We we punch well above our weight, and what a surprise! Another championship. Well done to the golfers. Yeah, there you go. The sailors from out of there as well. Title town. You called it, Sam and Lavina, two absolute champions on the panel with us today. Go well. Have a great weekend, guys. Awesome, thanks so much. Cheers, Merry Christmas to you guys too. It is a quarter to 11 here on SCNZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, Pacing for Purpose, Season 2. Yeah, this week's harness racing pick to raise funds for Women's Refuge comes uh, tomorrow night in Invercargill, uh, 7.29. It is race seven, and we're looking at number eight, Self Assured. Uh, you don't need me to tell you about this horse. Beaten last time out by BD Joe at Addington, but can make amends in this Group 1 at uh, Invercargill Cup. Uh, TAB have got it paying. $2.70 in from two eighty and a dollar twenty-five the place as well. So that's what we're backing for our uh, harness racing New Zealand pacing for purpose. Uh, doing all right in this one. Uh, currently raised six hundred and seven fifty so far for Women's Refuge, sitting just two dollars fifty in behind breakfast. So hopefully we can nudge ahead of them this weekend. When we come back, we'll hear from one of the breakfast boys, Louis Herman Watt. Biggest fan. <laughs> And Louis Herman Watt joins us at 3 to 11. Louis, uh, what are you looking at this weekend in thoroughbred racing? 
Yeah, Rick, we got Otaki today, mate, and uh, Trentham and Tarapa tomorrow, the eulogy, one or two cups, one or two stakes. But I guess, to be honest, that the tipping's kind of, well, oh, it's not really important at all, is it? When you kind of get put in perspective what happened to Megan Taylor yesterday, and it's the second time this year we've had to, we've had to say that, which is just it's quite messed up, really. I, I feel like this all gets put in perspective when this happens because we punt, we laugh, we cry, all of that, but nothing really pales, it all pales in comparison to the loss of life when you think about someone just goes to work, tries to upskill themselves, make good in their career, and, and they don't come home. So really it's all about the Taylor, Fano and her friends, uh, loved ones today and this weekend. So anything we do, anything we tip will be with a heavy heart, mate, because it's still very raw, and um, especially the South Island jockey room, the South Island racing community, they will be hurting unimaginably so today and tomorrow and the day after and moving forward. There's no good time of year for this to happen, but getting into Christmas, it's pretty sombre, mate. So but we're thinking of, well, obviously Megan, but um, her family and, again, her loved ones. And we will tip some horses tomorrow morning, but I'll leave that for tomorrow morning, mate. And I just, I think everybody should just have her and everyone in their thoughts today as we watch racing continue. And this is the amazing thing about these jockeys and trainers and, Strappers and horse people, as they will carry on and do their jobs. But I know we'll be thinking about one simple thing, Rick Dog, and that is life is precious. Indeed, indeed. Well said, Louis. Go well, mate. Uh, we'll let you back to the beers with Kempi. Uh, that is our Love Racing update. T- uh, Pip joins us from the TAB. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. G'day, Pip. How are you? I'm okay, Ricardo. How are you this morning? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Good, good. Um, what's big for you uh, this weekend? Oh, we'll talk about the sport firstly and just tell you with the you'll be interested in the football. Uh, the best backs is clearly Argentina at the moment. They lead in the head to head in the betting market and there's been four point eight put on them Argentina to lift the cup at a dollar ninety five and there's a nice promotion there too, Ricardo. No matter what team you want to back in the World Cup final, if you back one head to head and you get up by two goals, um you'll be an early payout with the TAB. Yeah, that is fantastic, mate. Uh, thanks very much, Pip. Go well. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll catch up with you again next week, eh? You too, Ricardo. Cheers. Uh, Pip Morris there with us from the TAB. Watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. In the next hour, your opportunity to win a $50 TAB bonus bet worth stumped. We'll catch up with Greg O'Connor, Mark Stafford, and uh, we are going to talk greyhounds with Monique McPhee as well. But up next, it's Wes Salzburger, and we're going to be talking Zwift here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. And are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Three past 11 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Coming up, uh, Greyhound Racing New Zealand interview with Monique McPhee, a trainer out of Rotorua. We've got Stumped as well, a $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. We'll talk trots with Greg O'Connor before midday uh, and catch up with staff as well. Uh, But right now, it is time to talk something new, something different, something that we're going to find out more about with Wes Salzberger. He's an ex-pro cyclist out of Australia and an ANZ country manager. Um, Now, Zwift, Wes, welcome to the show. What is Zwift exactly? 
Hi, uh, thanks very much for having me along. Uh, so Zwift is an online training platform that, that a lot of cyclists use and New Zealand cyclists as, as well uh, are very, uh, very into Zwift. Uh, so from that side of things, you are hooking your road bike or your mountain bike or any, any bicycle up to a, a smart trainer. Uh, and with that hardware and device, it will simulate, simulate the, the terrain that you see in front of you. So you'll, you'll feel that real resistance kick in from, from the, the smart trainer and device or smart bike. Um, so it's really simulating that that outdoors uh, bringing it inside. So you can you, you put the bike that you would take out on the road, and what you, you lock the front wheel into some sort of uh, some sort of device. Is that how it works? Yeah. So uh, so some of the um, like a general A-frame trainer, you'll you'll take that rear wheel wheel out, and you'll you'll put that on the trainer, so a direct drive trainer. So then it has a, a flywheel or a magnetics. There's a couple of different ways um, that these devices work. Um, and with that, uh, it'll, it'll give you that, yeah, that you put your weight and height into the game and then it'll give you that correct amount of resistance that you should feel for you. I mean, as somebody that's, you know, ridden professionally and done Tour de France, etc. I mean, how um, comparable is this, is Zwift for you as a cyclist to, to actually been on the road? Yeah, I mean, from, from that side of it, uh, I started, started using Zwift before I started working uh, with the company, so... I was using it as a training tool. I never really realized it was a game um, until I started working for the company. I'm like, oh, it is, a, it is made by a gaming company. So, yeah, from that side of it, I really did enjoy the, the training aspect of it. But then as I started to, to get more uh, into, um, you know, into what's on offer there as well, like the gamification side of it and unlocking uh, different equipment and as, as you cycle and, and sort of get more uh, leveled up into the game, you, you can access uh, different different um, hardware which can make you faster in games. So the, the gamification side of it um, yeah, can be really quite fun as well as locking uh, your different, uh, you can you can uh, customise your avatar as well with that as well. So the look and feel and unlock different jerseys. And yeah, so I, I really um, enjoyed that part of it as well as what I first come across as, as a training tool um, to help me uh, get uh, more fit and better for, uh, for, for uh, when I had races and events. Oh, I suppose, you know, uh, I don't know where you are in the country at the moment, mate, but you look out the window in Auckland and it's uh, chucking it down. It's like, I might just plug into the Zwift rather than hit the road today. <laughs> yeah, we, we do see a lot of that of, um, of people. And that's the whole thing with it. it it's complementary to your outdoor riding. Um, so throughout the week, um, you know, especially uh, on, on a Wednesday, there's a, there's a number of different hump day rides uh, that are on Zwift as well to, that, uh, that people are using um, throughout that week. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's a game, with, whether it's weather dependent or um, your time commitments and, and uh, family and things, you know, you're able to be present at, at home and uh, enables you to, you know, to be ready for those weekend adventures. Uh, and then if the weather does turn, then we'll, we've also got you back there with that side of it. Yeah, I mean, how big is the gaming side? Because I know there's a couple of Kiwis, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about in a moment, have been selected uh, as finalists to compete in this upcoming UCI Esports Cycling World Champs, um, which are going to be held virtually um, in February. But, uh, I mean, just how big is the, that side of this versus, you know, guys like yourself or, or mountain bikers, uh, guys that actually mm-hmm. compete out, outdoors? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we have a, a really um, active and, and large community base um, yeah, that ranges from, from all sorts, from, from amateurs um, to recreational cyclists or someone with just a fitness goal. Um, but yeah, to have, have the likes of Ollie Jones, um, who's actually a, a former winner of, of Zwift Academy, a program which uh, I guess in a couple of words we're on radio, it would be Couch to Pro. Um, so <laughs> you can take this program from riding you know, indoor 
uh, on Zwift, a global online competition that had over 160,000 people take part. Um, Ollie went through and won that in 2017. So he signed professional, which meant that he could, you know, in a, in a team essentially that races the Tour de France. So you can go from, you know, riding on Zwift uh, in your lounge room or, or garage or wherever you put your setup to, to racing with, you know, the top tier teams in the world. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's great opportunities out there um, from the esports side of it. And obviously having uh, Ollie, um, you know, Ollie's only 26, um, and uh, and then also Thomas uh, Berry is 25. So you know these two cyclists, um, you know, obviously they're doing really well on Zwift, but uh, you know, in in uh, out on the roads in New Zealand, they both took part in the New Zealand Cycle Classic. So the you know, Ollie finished second overall in, in that New Zealand Cycle Classic. So they are outright uh, very talented cyclists, uh, and then they are also taking the opportunity of, of the esports over here as well. And Ollie uh, finished fourth actually um, in 2020. Uh, had a little bit of a mal malfunction actually with his equipment. Had a, a virtual puncture uh, leading into that final sprint, um, but he finished fourth overall. So he's certainly hungry, and I really would like to, to see uh, see Ollie up on the podium for this for this world in February. Yeah, I mean it's quite unique in that that I mean there's a lot of games that you can play online, right? I was talking to producer Logan this morning about he plays uh, PGA Tour online, uh, which is great, mm. but you don't have to walk 18 holes when you're doing that, whereas this game, you actually have got to put in the work, right? Yeah, so a little bit, little bit. Uh, I guess a different take on esports uh, with this is, you, yeah, it, it really is the physical aspect of this. Um, you know, you, you, you definitely are feeling feeling the, uh, you know, the terrain that's simulating games. So, you know, throughout that, those championship um, qualifying races that both Ollie and, and Thomas went through, you know, there was a, a series of races. Um, there was three three different rounds that they could qualify. Um, so you know, Ollie qualified straight up with a uh, hundred riders in, in uh, race one, and, and he went through and won that race. And then um, and then they had the top thirty of the second race go through to do a climbing sort of stage, um, uh, where where uh, Thomas went through. And then if you had a third chance of that, the last ten would go through for a for a podium sort of sprint finish. So you had three opportunities to try and suit three different sort of characteristics with that. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting sort of final with that because I think all of those uh, all of those sort of disciplines really suit Ollie with, with his power profiles and, and the, uh, the power he has. And also Thomas Berry would be really interesting to see, you know, a, a young guy who's, uh, who's coming through as well um, and uh, whether he's going to be in support of Ollie or whether they'll be uh, battling out against each other. So I guess teamwork does come into play on Zwift. Um, you do get a virtual drafting and sit uh, behind people. So like you would if you're out on the road, um, the, the pack dynamics and the gamification side of it there is, is worked out as well. Uh, one thing I did mention earlier was around you know, the customization of bikes and equipment um, for that world championships, everything in terms of equipment, because uh, there, there are different star ratings and things we have in game with different bikes, aerodynamics, climbing bikes. Um, but in the World Championships, they'll be all um, neutralised. So there'll be there'll be no no uh, no advantages on equipment. Um, it'll just be visual aspect side of it um, rather than than the uh, the actual yeah um, performance side. Yeah, I mean, where's it, it must be funny for you talking to guys like Thomas uh, and Ollie because you've gone the other way, right? You've been the guy that's gone out and done the mahi on the road and dodged cars and been rained on and, and, and everything else um, and, yeah. and done it hard and then gone indoors. These guys have started indoors and gone the other way. Um, when you've talked mm -hmm. to them, what have they found the biggest challenge about getting off the Zwift and onto, onto the road? 
Um, I, I guess it's, it's especially coming from New Zealand. You know, I, I'm from Tasmania, so, um, so I'm from, from a similar little island, nearly on the, on the same level as you draw, draw uh, a line across. But, so I can sort of understand, uh, you know, when Ollie, Ollie was a former speed skater as well. Um, so, you know, he'd had some traveling, um, internationally for other events, but from that side of it, you, you really, it's, it sort of, uh, it's more the, uh, the general problems that you face as, as a, you know, a young athlete, uh, not necessarily a cyclist, but you're heading away, you're in a foreign country, you're by yourself. So you've really got to sort of build up your own support network. Um, and, uh, and that's probably the biggest challenge and, and the training and the other things, uh, are certainly, certainly something that, uh, Zwift could help. Uh, I know that uh, you know, when you're racing and some of the time in between those races, you've got a, a short amount of time or you may, be, uh, you may be faced with weather side of it, especially the start of the season. If you're heading over early season, there is you know, snow and um, some, some pretty extreme weather conditions to deal with. So you, you really want to make sure you hit those first races and are ready for the season. So that's where uh, you, know, you would do some indoor training, but certainly with the Zwift side of that, it really... It does make it more uh, more fun and more interactive, and definitely uh, yeah, a, a lot more enjoyable to ride indoors um, than than when I, you know, sort of. I'd have uh, one rainy day would be a day off. Two two rainy days would be oh uh, yeah, I've had a big week. I have another day off, and the third day of it raining or bad weather, you know, I'd have to do a double session and do a morning and evening session on on a home trainer. But yeah, with this side of it now, like riders are, are opting actually to do some of their workouts um, on Zwift. Um, throughout the, throughout the week and including that into the into the routine as well for their training. With the esports side of things, and you know, with any game, you know, there's always a chat room going uh, while you're playing, and there's a lot of trash talking. Do you get that in, in Zwift yeah. as well? <laughs> yeah, just like you would out on the roads. You know, the the, the cyclists in in the uh, in the pelotons, uh, you know, they, they can sometimes um, have a, have a strong lip or opinion on things. Um, and uh, yeah, some of the time that that does come through and translate in game of uh, you know. Whether that's a little bit of um, you know, sort of street talk or trying to psychologically, uh, you know, uh, psych out some of the other the competitors in the race. You know, I have seen, uh, you know, through some of the esports racing things, you know, people typing, you know, when after an attack comes back, you know, is that all you've got? And uh, you know, just that, those little cheeky things that you might probably say in real life that you can uh, you can also type in game as well as you as you're racing. I, I was thinking about this, and I, you know, I, I, you know, the, the rising cost of living. I was thinking about Zwift. Could you plug this into your power network and actually generate your own electricity to pay for your gaming time? <laughs> so actually, there is one trainer that you can uh, that has a USB port. Um, I forget the brand of it now, um, but I, it was released I think a year or so ago. But you can you can put the uh, put a USB in, so so you could charge your phone with that as you as you power that trainer. So yeah, so there, there are there are some. Some things already in action there, but yeah, that that be a great idea. I know that there's a, a famous uh, German cyclist that uh, that did a video. If you look it up on YouTube, um, Foster, I think his name was. He, he actually cooked some toast, uh, you know, uh, while cycling his bike. I think he had to do a thousand watts for three minutes or something. Oh, that is quality. That is outstanding. Um, what about the <laughs> technology around Zwift? I mean, could this work mm-hmm. on say? Um, uh, what do you call it? Like a treadmill? Could you do running races on this and and have it work the same way? Yes. Yeah. Probably from the esports angle that we were just chatting about, um, we have partnered with Super League Triathlon. Um, they have a they have a series that they they utilise with with us. It's called Arena Games. So um, yeah, with, with that side of it, they are using Zwift for the for the cycling part. The, and obviously uh, swimming, they're doing that in the pool. Um, so there's no gamification on that side of things. Uh, there's general sort of stats that they would have sort of, you know, if you're watching a, um, a well 
a world sort of swimming event. They have all, the, all those sort of stats with that with time splits and things. But the running is done on treadmills using Zwift as well. So uh, you can utilize Zwift with running with a, with a foot pod um, or what they do at Arena Games, they have a tread, treadmill tracker which attaches to the back of the treadmill and works by Bluetooth. So it's just uh, tracking that belt speed. Um, so yeah, the next one of those is actually uh, not long after um, after the World Championships for the esports. So the first one's coming up in Montreal, and then uh, then it's in Switzerland after that, and then Singapore and London. So I'm hoping to get across to the Singapore one, to be honest. So yeah, I really would like to to see see it in action. I've watched uh, I think the the broadcast over Eurosport, but yeah. So from that side, uh, running is, has been included in in the esports side of it as well as the cycling aspect. Yeah, that's outstanding. I, I, I'm pretty sure there's, there's a lot of eSport athletes out there going, hang on, you want me to do what? I'm not actually <laughs> going to run. Um, how have you yeah. found that? I mean, as somebody who's been a pro cyclist, I, I understand physiologically uh, cycling a lot. You know, you, you shorten your hamstrings and maybe shorten your calves a little bit as well in terms of versus what a runner looks like. So, I mean, have you jumped on a treadmill? How have you found that? Yeah, actually, um, uh, I've, I've been... Uh yeah, really getting into the running side of it as well. Um, you know, uh, from that side of it, yeah, it is definitely different different muscle systems and, and, and from that side. So, I mean, if, you were, if you're a professional cyclist, you know, the first thing your coach will tell you is if you're doing running, it's just in the off-season and then don't, don't, don't really go over five kilometres. Um, but, but from that side of it, I've, I've really, yeah, I found that, found that really enjoyable um, to get into the running aspect side of it. And on a treadmill as well, you have sort of around the, depending on what treadmill you have, around 60% less impact as well on a treadmill. So it can be really good for, for recovery side of things as well, or if you're coming back from an injury or that side of it as well. So, um, yeah, and we do have a, a duathlon race series as well, um, which which is open for, for, for amateurs right up to professionals as well. So, yeah, I've enjoyed taking part in those, and I'm actually, I'm actually training for the the World Championships for duathlon uh, here in Australia in 2024 up in Townsville. So, yeah, if, uh, I keep looking at the at the qualifying race dates uh, for, for myself. I've got it printed out next to right next to me next to the office, so so I I keep looking at it, and I've stuck it up on the fridge as well. So I actually make sure I, I continue my training. Outstanding. When you're doing that, when you're training on the treadmill, right, um, or I, mean, I suppose it works for the bike as well, what do you have in front of you? What are you looking at? I mean, I kind of see a, a TV that's kind of got a virtual tour type thing of the track you're on or something, or are you, or, you, know, or are you just watching uh, the latest episode of House of the Dragon? <laughs> yeah, from that side, you can set that up with uh, whether, whether you're using an iPad, which, which I've, I've used previously, but I, I'm using a, a TV at the moment now with, a, with an Apple TV. Um, so from that side of it, I'm, I'm seeing my avatar in quite a large, on a large screen, a 43 inch, um, TV. Um, so from that side, it makes it a lot more immersive and, um, I can, uh, I can change the view angles and, and things as well. So that we've just released a couple of new courses in game as well, um, off our Japanese inspired course. So yeah, at the moment, I'm, I'm really just, just running on that for, you know, around sort of, uh, 20 to 20 to 30 minutes, so you know, not not too long a duration, but in between swapping off from the bike as well, so doing some um, transition sort of training for that as well. Yeah, I, I might have to get some tips actually off uh, off a fellow New Zealander, um, um, Russell uh, Anna Russell actually uh, from from the Tri New Zealand side of it. She's uh, she's very across this, and she's actually an esports commentator uh, and works out of out of Auckland. Oh, that is outstanding! It's, it sounds like this community is growing, and the, and the actual uh, the esports side of things is growing, and, and maybe going in ways that we didn't expect because it's getting people off the couch and actually uh, doing physical activity. 
Yeah, it, like I said, it is, it is a, I guess, a new version of esports because it literally is sport um, uh, digitally. So, yeah, from that side of it, it's, it's really exciting. It's, a, it's great to be, you know, on the forefront of this and, you know, with partnerships uh, like Arena Games with Super League Triathlon, you know, utilising our platform and really seeing the benefit um, you know, and bringing this uh, to people in, in an arena setting. Um, yeah, I really, it's really exciting times. Look forward to, to see what's to come. Uh, Wiz, thanks very much for your time today, mate. It's been a great chat, very informative. If people uh, want to check out Zwift, uh, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, best place to go is Zwift.com. So uh, your phone or anything else will auto-correct that to an S. It's not an S, it's Z. So it's Z-W-I-F-T.com, Zwift. Outstanding, mate. Have a great break. Uh, I hope you get some downtime in, mate, and uh, enjoy your Christmas, and hopefully we can catch up with you ahead of February, eh? Yeah, perfect. I, I know where I can go to, to burn off some of that Christmas pudding. <laughs> exactly, mate, exactly. Good <laughs> stuff. Where's uh, Salzburger there with us, Aussie pro cyclist and the ANZ country manager for Swift, uh, or Zwift, I should say. It is Z-W-I-F-T. When we come back, we're talking greyhounds with Monique McPhee. With Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 11.26 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith, thanks to Brand, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Joining us now to talk dogs is Monique McPhee out of Rotorua, a trainer. How are you doing, Monique? I'm good, thank you, Ricardo. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. How, how long have you been involved uh, in training uh, greyhounds and how did you get into it? Um, so pretty much from since I can remember, really, um, my grandfather and my nan have been in it since the 1970s. So I used to tag along to the races with them since I was a little girl and fell in love with it since then, pretty much. So, and I don't think I'm going to look back and I won't be leaving anytime soon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds like you, uh, you, you love the dogs, mate. What is it about greyhound racing and the animals themselves? Um... What's not to love about them? I mean, they're so placid and beautiful. You know, they're lovely natured dogs. They get along with my children. Just perfect. Um, just the whole community coming together on race day. I really enjoy it. Like, there's yeah. nothing, there's no better feeling than seeing them walk out there. Crowd is punch, you know, heads out, tails wagging. Just happy to be on the track, really. Yeah, get, get centre of attention. You know, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. How, how many dogs have you got at home? Um, I've currently only got two at the moment, um, Opawa Berry and Double Hitter. Um, Granddad, he's got two, so we've got four in Rotorua Racing. Um, we're actually looking to expand our kennels, but it's a work in progress at the moment. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, what does a, a typical day look like for you? I mean, I know you've got a family, so a lot of juggling to be done, I'd imagine. Yes, very much so. It's, it's always a challenge, but I love a challenge, and... Um, I've got a good support system by my side, so I guess that helps a lot. But it's routine, really. Just once you have a balance, it goes good for you. You know, you're away, really. Are the kids old enough to be given the chores? So you know, they can they can they can sort of help with half the half the the maintenance oh, yes. of the dogs. Yes, my son, he's three. He he gets a little upset sometimes when I don't let him take the bowls out to feed the dogs. So. <laughs> I've got to fill him in on that chore, yeah. <laughs> yeah, quality, quality. I mean, um, are, are your kids at the track with you as well? I mean, I know it's a, it's a family affair for you guys. I mean, that's how you fell in yep. love with it. Are they at the track with you yet? Um, no, my daughter's two, my son's three, so they, they're currently at school when I go to the track. 
Otherwise, yeah. oh, yep, it's a big, big juggle then. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet but it is. Not yet. I mean, it, it really means uh, a lot to you, I can tell. And, and I guess a lot of that is those family ties and those memories from childhood. And um, I got told a, a really cool story uh, about you, Monique, and about something actually you put up on, oh, really? on, on Facebook, which is about how after every race meeting, you and your granddad go home and you watch replays together. Um, yeah. I mean, outside of bonding and spending time with your granddad, what do you get out of it as a trainer? I mean, going home and watching after a race, do you, do you see things? Does it actually help? Yes, it definitely, and you know, as a trainer, you go home, watch the replays, and you get to sit down and talk about, you know, what happened and how how it all pans out, and yeah, Granddad definitely loves to watch his replays. Once or twice will be good for me, but he's a bit more on the 10 to 15 side, like, he likes to watch them over and over. <laughs> what are you looking for but when I you're re-watching it, yeah. races? Um, a lot, to be honest, I don't know, I just just like to see how it all works out, you know, not just my dogs. When you watch other people's dogs too, you kind of get to learn, like, what dog likes to be where and their style of racing, etc. Like, yeah. It just, just helps like you. To see all of it. Yeah, it helps you prepare for the next meet or the next time you meet yeah, that dog yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, you go to the races and you can remember a dog. I like this. Yeah, I love it. I just love it all. Yeah, quality, Monique. Um, now, you've you've had a few winners recently. I mean, Opawa Barry, uh, pretty much anything with an Opara in front of it's going to go all right, isn't it? Well, won its last start. He's racing yeah. at Manukau this Sunday too. Yes, he is. Um, I'm not too sure. He has, hasn't been there for a while since I've had him in my kennels, but he's confident. He's ready to go. Um, he is a bit moody jumping out the boxes, but he recently just got put in box first and that, Obviously paid off last last Sunday, so we'll see how we go. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you got a double header this Sunday, actually, yes. don't you? Yes, she's racing. Also, she's yes, she'll be there. Yeah, yeah. She's um, she's very moody herself. She, but she's a beautiful girl. She's just so just relaxed all the time. But there's no other place she'd rather be than at the track. <laughs> she she had a win um, a few races ago. What have you been working on with the dogs between their last win and now? Um, I was, so I'm really bad at run, not running out noms, eh? Like, the dogs will have a start and they'll win. And then everyone's like, why didn't you run, nominate them? And I'm like, I was just going to give them a little break. And then they turn around and do that. And it's like, oh, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. But I, I don't mind as long as they're right, really. Mm. Ready for the next lineup. That's what matters. That's what matters. All right. Well, hey, listen, Monique, yeah. it's been great talking to you and getting to know you a bit better and getting your take on, on dog racing. Um, safe travels on Sunday, mate, and I hope it goes well for both uh, Doubleheader, Opawa Barry, and yourself as well. Cool. Thank you very much for that. No problem at all. Now, Monique McPhee with us there. She's a, a trainer out of Rotorua. Thanks to Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Still to come, Greg O'Connor talking harness racing. We'll catch up with staff and we have stumped. If you want to uh, put yourself in the box seat to win a $50 TAB bonus bet, give us a call now. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. We'll do that right after the latest in news and sport with Aroha. One New Zealand is an official sponsor of the ASB Classic. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
All right, it's time to play Stumped one more time for this week. It's Friday, $50 TAB. Bonus bet is up for grabs. Ricardo, you ready to go? Ready for a big one this weekend? Ready to rock and roll. Rock and or roll. <laughs> Depending. <laughs> I, think, was it? I think that was uh, Principal Skinner that said that. Are you ready to rock and um, or, or roll? roll? Now, I know our first contestant is we're going to Invercargill. Mark, come to the crease, mate. How you doing? Yeah, well, boys, how are you? Yeah, yeah. good, mate. You? Yeah, ready, ready to go for a good weekend, brother. Love it. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Um, oh, all the bonus bets that I've got to try and win some bloody money. <laughs> <laughs> Fill that beer fridge for Christmas, mate. Let's fill it up. All right. Well, we'll see how you go, mate. Have you played stump before? I have not played, but I do know what's going on. All right. Well, just for those playing at home that want to know, this is how the game works. We have three categories to choose from today. If you get a question wrong, then it's over to Ricardo for a chance to knock your bales off. If he gets it right, get out within the first two questions, and it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on the final question, and we will jackpot for Monday. Now, Mark, here are your three categories. The A-League, Ice Hockey, and Golf. Uh, okay, ice hockey. Woo! He's made my Friday. I don't know, but we'll go ice hockey. Ricardo's probably just thinking, oh, really glad he didn't pick golf. <laughs> to be honest, it's a bit of a toss-up. <laughs> my knowledge on both is, is not great. Neither. All right, see how you go. Alex Ovechkin has scored his 800th goal of his NHL career. How many more goals does he need to equal the all-time goal-scoring record set by the great one, Wayne Gretzky? Um, it's going to be a stab in the dark. I'll go 53. One of the worst things I have ever <laughs> seen done on a cricket field. Did you say to equal or beat? To equal. 94. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, oh, right man. in the slot, and away it goes. I only know that because we I, talked I was gonna, about I was gonna this say, the other day. I was going to say, <laughs> I now have proof that Ricardo listens to me. <laughs> because, yes, I did talk about this the other day. I, I'm very excited about this. Sorry, Mark. Uh, back to the pavilion for you. But we are staying uh, in Invercargill to play Stumped, and we're going to Lou. Come in, mate. Yep. Hi. How you doing? But about the only thing I know about ice hockey is Wayne Gretzky used to play. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first question. All right, we'll see how you go, mate. Good luck. Second question. <clears throat> New Zealand's national women's ice hockey team will compete at the World Champs in South Africa this February. What is the team's nickname? Uh, the Black Skates. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Brian says, not a bad guess. Ricardo, over to you. The ice ferns? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, that's right. The ice ferns, very much looking forward to that because they haven't competed since 2019 in Iceland thanks to the pandemic. So, unlucky Lou, but I hope you have a really good weekend. But we are. We're going to the third and third man in line. This has been a while. We haven't gone to the number third in the batting order in a while. And we're going to a friend of the show, Oh, Ed from Tolaga Bay. Come in, mate. Hey, Jordan Logan. Hey, Ricardo. <laughs> hey, brother. How are you? 
oh man, I couldn't believe it. This guy's got this. But I don't know anything about NHL. Ricardo, give me a uh, Christmas present and just get it wrong anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, I, I think I've just about exhausted my knowledge of ice hockey in the first two questions, so we'll see how we go. Good. <laughs> oh my god, okay, here we go. We might because this is this isn't something I've talked about in the last week with you, Ricardo. This goes back a little uh a little bit to earlier in the year. Last question for you, Ed, the fifty dollar TAB bonus bet on the line here. Which country won the bronze medal in women's ice hockey at the twenty twenty two Beijing Winter Olympics? Okay. I wouldn't even have a clue about any of this. I'll go Canada. One of the worst things. I've ever seen done on a cricket field. See, one of the worst things is getting rickrolled in the background by Ed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what that was. Uh, no, Canada won the gold medal. Okay, uh, I, I'm going to take an absolute stab in the dark and say Sweden. One of the worst things I have ever seen. You're in the right region, mate. You're in the right region. It was uh, Finland was the answer I was looking for. Ah, there you go. Unlucky. Unlucky. I I was on the hat trick ball too, Ed. You were. Oh, pretty much, Ricardo. You just made my Christmas, I mean, my day. All right, mate. What are you going to put your $50 TAB bet on? Oh, bro. Um... Some bits. Oh, who are they? Oh, I can't remember now. Uh, there's some stuff going on at Tarapa tomorrow. Oh yeah, get amongst that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, oh, Cornella. Oh, I can't even remember the names now. I've got to research all that stuff because I'm sorry, Ricardo. I'm about five bottles deep because it's my day off. <laughs> Good stuff, Ed. I wish I was with you, mate. Go well, brother. Have a great weekend, and hopefully that uh, fifty dollar can refill the beer fridge for you. You too, and you too, Logan. All the best for Christmas. Thanks, mate. You too, Ed. Well done. <laughs> Who's that well, four mate? or five bottles deep at 11.40am? That's just good going. Living the good life Mind right you, I've got to say, I was at Flair Bar the other day with you uh, doing the um, doing the show from there because of the World Cup semifinals, and a, a couple of guys rocked up and sat at the bar just next to us uh, on Jim Beams at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I was Oof. like, ooh, like, you know, I understand maybe a beer in the morning, but a, a Jim Bean that's... Yeah, to wake you up, the, especially the premix too. You know, in the bottle with the cola, it's like, oh, that might be a bit. My stomach felt my my stomach ached in, in, <laughs> in sympathy for theirs. To be fair, mate, you're from West Auckland. <laughs> you should you should know Jim Bean and Coke, right? <laughs> it's not just for breakfast. Okay. <laughs> this is SCNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. We'll be back shortly talking harness racing with Greg O'Connor. Parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, it is uh, coming up a 14 away from midday here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Uh, time to catch up with our good mate uh, Michael Guerin to talk harness racing. Thanks to the good people at New Zealand Harness Racing. Visit hrnz.co.nz. How are you, Michael? Look, Ricardo, it's been a tough day. Um, been a tough day for the last 24 hours for, for all of us who work in the New Zealand racing industry, obviously, the boys touched on it this morning, the passing of, of Megan Taylor yesterday morning. I didn't know Megan. She she passed, obviously, at Ashburton yesterday. But um, we're a pretty tight-knit industry. Um, all three codes, but particularly the two equine codes, work a lot together. 
Um, Megan was someone who rode a horse I actually part owned a couple of weeks ago, and I hadn't had the opportunity to meet her. I'm, I'm saddened I won't get the opportunity to meet her after the tragic events yesterday. But like, of course, in all sports and all life, uh, the game goes on, so they'll be racing tonight at Alexandra Park at Addington and in the Cargill tomorrow. But it's the racing people and those of us who do it day in, day out, Ricardo, um, yeah, they'll be feeling that for a long time, and particularly those in the South Island who saw Megan on a daily basis. So uh, my, my my heart goes out to them uh, because when they went to work this morning, um, it was a reality, whereas for most of us it's something we read about in the paper or we hear about by other people. Mm, yeah, and it's uh, really sad news yesterday, uh, Michael, just uh, two races into that meeting at Ashburton. Um, I, I don't really know uh, what else to say on that front. I mean, you know, obviously it's with um, the Racing Integrity Unit and things, they're going to they're gonna look into it and we'll, and we'll hear more later on. But uh, otherwise, I, I guess uh, it, racing does carry on this weekend. You've talked about that. I mean, uh, where, where are you looking this weekend? Where are you going to be? I'll be at Alexandra Park tonight covering the harness racing. Obviously, I'll be both codes. And um, it's a big race between the It's actually, actually a huge weekend in vastly different ways from how it would usually be. We have a Group 1 race, so Group 1's the Test Match Rugby stuff. It's the serious stuff. We have one tonight for the Mears at Alexandra Park called the Queen of Hearts. And a horse who's actually involved, so pregnant, called Stylish Memphis. Um, uh, is a horse, I think, is backable there. Opened about $4 and $4.20 maybe. It's into about three sixty dollars now. Uh, it's the best performed horse in the race, and David Butcher, the driver, indicated to me yesterday if he can get the lead, he might stay there. So it's a good winning chance tonight in the feature race here at Alexandra Park, where they'll have a big crowd because it's a Christmas at the races type activity. Lots of people popping along to to enjoy their pre-Christmas work gigs. So the big race there goes 8.41. Before that, the best backed horse, the one all the money's come for, is in race 5. That's 8.11. It's a horse called Artie by the Hill. It's been backed in from 350 to 220. The reason it's an unusual weekend, Ricardo, is um, there's also Group 1 racing at Invercargill tomorrow. So the Invercargill Cup for the Pacers features the New Zealand Cup winner and former race by Grins winner, self-assured. So this is the first time there's ever been a Group 1 of either code held in Invercargill. $100,000 is a lot of money. It's a big deal and some of the best horses in Australasia are turning up there. So they have a light, a late twilightish type start. So they'll be racing more or less in a night meeting situation, but um, you know, without the lights, because obviously there's no lights at the Invercargill track. So that's tomorrow, first race there, kicks off at 4.19, and their big cup race is an absolute beauty. So congratulations to everybody involved in that down south. It's a big deal for them, and yeah. the big cup there goes at 7.29. Yeah, I see that um, BD Joe, which beat Self-Assured last time out, is in this race as well, mate. So it's a, a, a repeat, a rematch. Yep, it is. And BD Joe's been ahead of Super Spring. We'll talk to his trainer, Steve Telfer, tomorrow morning on the mail run. So for the first time in about three weeks, I'm in the studio to run my little mate Louie, so hyphen, and I'll be talking <laughs> all things racing from 8 o'clock in the morning, Tarapa, Trenton. We'll talk to Steve Telfer about Invercargill. He's the leading premiership trainer and only two weeks away, I think, from winning the premiership. 
And then the racing's on tomorrow afternoon for the good oil. The boys will be doing the job in the studio there for a bit of hilarity and, and the, the quaddy crush will be going. So there'll be plenty going on there. And then 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, uh, Greg O'Connor and I will be on Trot's Talk. We'll try and find some winners, try and review in the cargo, talk to people about what's going on in the harness racing industry. So uh, we know we don't have a lot of massive sport um, Ricardo, over the summer, like once the World Cup's done on Monday, we, we sort of get into the domestic cricket and the domestic tennis. You know, there, there's not huge amounts of sport. The great news is SENZ is going to have a bunch of racing, like a heap of racing on, because we've got a whole lot of people who are racing sickos on the team, Ricardo. <laughs> so people, people who stick around for racing. In fact, I think basically almost everybody in there has a punt at some stage. Um, look, we'll, be, we'll be covering heaps of the big stuff going on, including... Um, the Mail Run, which is our Saturday morning show, which a lot of people seem to like, and I would prefer if it was like six hours later, Ricardo, because I hate morning time. <laughs> but I do enjoy doing the show. We're going to have one on next Saturday, the 24th of December, and two days later on Boxing Day. And we're going to have a yearly review of the racing season on Christmas Day. So if you're not sick of me and Louis Human what by now... You'll be absolutely jack of us by December the 27th. <laughs> it sounds like you guys are working far too hard, Michael. Uh, well, it's, what happens when you have no kids, Ricardo? Like, you know, we don't have Christmas, and like, unless Louis and I and his partners, and the, well, at least we hang out together, no one's really going to pay any attention to us. So, yeah, basically, we're going to work as much as we can so we can feel important and loved. Oh, mate, I love it. I love it. We well, do keep up the good work. You do a great job, Michael. Uh, enjoy your weekend, mate. Uh, have a good punt. Good luck on it. And uh, no doubt, I'll see you around the office. I'm looking forward to it, Ricardo. Mate, you could dye that beard and the hair of yours um, a bit silvery. You would make a perfect Santa Claus. You've got all the features for a Santa Claus, Ricardo. So Are you calling me fat? To have a crack at it. Are you calling me fat? I didn't, I, I didn't say that. People <laughs> have different body shapes, Ricardo. They should embrace those. <laughs> oh, mate, you'd be, you be, you, you be doing well to get your arms around it to be to embrace it, mate, to be fair. Um, good luck, good luck, Michael, on the pub this weekend. Have a good you, one, bro. See you, thank See you, Santa. I know it's a busy time ahead for you. Go, go well. <laughs> well do, Michael Guerra there with us talking harness racing. Live the dream and get involved in harness racing today. NZ Harness Racing. Visit hrnz.co.nz. We are seven away from midday.